Okay, so welcome to the Audible Picture Show. Um, I know that shootouts normally happen at the end of movies, but uh, I thought that after last night's festivities, maybe some of us needed a bit of shaking up. Um, So what is the Audible Picture Show? Well, um, usually it's um, an hour-long show of um, short audio works up to five minutes in length, um, which are presented in darkened cinemas. So you go into the cinema, I make a short introduction, and then we're immersed in complete darkness, or as near as we can get it, depending on the the theatre, for up to an hour. Um, And you enjoy these uh, short works. Um, Obviously, in this situation, it's slightly different. Um, We will be listening to one of the works um, in... as close to darkness as we can get um, but this is a more of a, a for this breakout session I'm going to be going through um, a selection of the works and looking at how artists uh, filmmakers have responded to the, the challenge and um, the context that they were asked to work to um, I've f- to make it a bit easier to navigate the, the works I've split them into these sections and again forgive me for this kind of open working but you can see the you know the workings of a lunatic here um uh, and the first section is is soundscapes and i'm just going to be playing two from this section um the first is the modern woodsman which i think is a very successful audible picture in the sense um adam clitheroe is um, an animator by training and this is the first audio work that he has ever made. Um, he took it very seriously, um, and he generated all the sound effects himself. He didn't rely on any um, sound effects CDs. And um, I think we'll just away we go with Adam.
So a bit of a mystery at the end there, I think. Not entirely sure what happens, but um, I like the setup. Um, okay, there's another example now of um, nature versus technology um, in helicopter over Brizard. And this is a recording made by um, a sculptor, um, quite a, a well-known sculptor in the UK called Ron Hazelden. Um, this is a recording he made in 1973. Um, and when I uh, suggested to him, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this project, the Audible Picture Show, it's, um, we're going to be playing audio in dark cinemas. I said, you know, have you got anything to, that you'd like to, to make for this? And he said, no, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm a bit busy. I don't have anything at the moment. Um, but I've had this recording that I made in 73 and I've always wondered what to do with it. And, and this seems like a good opportunity to get this, get this heard. Um, so he gave me the tape and um, what he'd set out to do was to, to record birdsong. Um, so he had his, his Nagra reel-to-reel um, with him and you know, set the, the levels accordingly and then um, was bullied by a helicopter And I like to think of it as airborne thrash metal. Maybe some flavours of North by Northwest.
What I like about this is it's a very simple piece. I mean, it's just a direct um, field recording, literally, I suppose, recording of a field as well. Um, no editing, no no fancy stuff. Um, but it's this incredible sense of dread. I mean, what, do we, what are we doing flying around in these kind of choppers? Um, and it, for me, it works. There's a, there's a drama in there which I referred to North by Northwest. Where it's just, you just know it's going to come back and it's going to be louder. And there's a tension there which um, actually gets more frightening each time you, you hear it. Um, okay, moving on to um, the spoken word section. And there's a variety of approaches that our makers have taken here. Um, the first, the, I'll actually be playing these in the order that they're on the, the program here. Um, a sense of place. This is kind of the Audible Picture Show's signature work, I suppose. Um, uh, the filmmaker Tony Hill trained as an architect, and I think his um, awareness of, of space um, and the, the sound stage is it's very good. Um, and what he's done here really is turned the, the dark cinema into um, the head of a young blind woman. So we, we take her point of view. And so for this one, we're actually going to try and get rid of all the lights to give it do it justice. Okay, it's not completely dark, but... Close your eyes. (laughs) Please. A Sense of Place by Tony Hill. Sally Good was born blind. I took her to a location unknown to her. Here's what she found. I can sense something in front of me. I can hear it in the sound. The sound changes as you're walking around. This feels quite closed in. I think it's a wall in front of me. I'm just going to put my hand out. Yes, it is. It's a brick wall. Walking up onto the grass now. Oh. Right, we are in front of a rather large object, a stone arch. You've got my head height. Another stone structure. This again is standing on a pedestal like a tower. This one is kind of cylindrical. A cylindrical tower this is standing on, and then it comes up to a, a long barrel shaped stone object, just placed on the top of the tower horizontally. And then on top of it, there's a, another cylindrical object placed vertically on the uh, long barrel. Bang. Ooh. Lots of bangs going on. I don't know quite what's happening, but there's, as you can hear, there's quite a lot of birds. Twigs on the foot. Well, well, this is uh, quite a big rectangular, extremely tall extremely wide stone block. Now I'm going to follow this to see where it goes. Oh, it goes a long way. It's going to the right now. It's a huge place. Oh, to the right again it's gone. Oh, I've just nearly fallen over another stone structure. The wall is now on our left and I'm following it round to the left. It's just a great big huge stone wall and a big metal 
object, a cube-shaped object, going way up, higher than me. Quite what it's there for, I don't know. But it's up down the bottom is all big metal, um, metal letters. Oh, no, it's not. I thought they were letters, but I don't think they are. Yeah, there's a hole in this metal thing. I wonder if it's for water to come out. I hadn't thought so, though, would you? I haven't the faintest idea what this could be. There's a hole in the bottom of the metal cube-shaped object, and then it comes down onto the floor, and then a little way away is this other metal object, which looks like letters, but it's not, because it's sort of like a strip, then a space, then another little metal strip, then a space, and then all little different metal strips, and it sort of ends in this long, slightly curved metal flat thing. I haven't the faintest idea what this could be. Following the wall again on our left, Oh, there's a bit sticking out there. That's a cupboard door. I might have had a... No, I wouldn't have had a picture on it, surely. No, it won't open. Hmm, that's interesting. This is a clock, but I can't see where you'd wind it. Following the wall around again to the left, we're on the path now. It goes in a little bit. We've reached a big... Oh! There's an echo. Hello? We've reached a big wooden door and the right of it is a handle and just above the handle is a, a sort of a catch that you push down a bit like on an outside door. Wall's coming round to the right again. Hi, another one of those metal cubular objects. Mm-hmm. And I found a window. I think that this could possibly be a church. The reason I say that is Sometimes church windows are like square shapes and diamond shapes. So I think this possibly might be stained glass, which means we are by a church. Oh, we're walking up onto the grass and now a stone table on a big platform. Um, There's some more lettering here and I'm trying to work if it makes any sense to me. Um, that looks like an S or a 2. Not sure. I got this a bit worn away. This is another stone structure, but I haven't really worked out what they're supposed to be yet. Oh my. <laughs> the only other thing I can think of is gravestones. A Centre Place was produced by Tony Hill with thanks to Sally Good and the Derbyshire Association for the Blind. I thought I heard that helicopter coming back in at one point. Um, Yeah, the reason I say that's the sort of signature work for Audible Picture Show is it does exactly what I was hoping um, would happen with works, is that they... they, I mean, you could could put that on the radio, sure, but the, the difficulty is that when people listening to radio often, you know, they're washing up, they're driving, they're they're, they're doing other things. So you don't get that um, concentration and focus that's required really to appreciate the full um, full magnitude of what's going on in, in the work. Um, and that's where having people in a, a darkened cinema is, is a great opportunity to, to really enjoy these works and, and focus on them. Um, Okay, scores only. Um, this is uh, by um, John Parry, who's a, a visual artist, um, works in 
sort of animation and design and, and some sculpture. Um, his approach to the world really is um, to tinker with the mundane. And what he's done here is um, tinker with something which is very familiar to UK audiences of um, BBC TV. And it's um, the soccer scores being um, detailed on Saturday afternoons. Now, I'm not a big soccer fan, so for me this is this kind of depressing litany of boredom. Um, but for many people it's a you know a big f- focus of their week. Um, and I'm glad to say he's he's taken this this source material and um, been really naughty with it. <laughs> two, 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 one, one, two. One, one, nil, nil, one, nil, four, two, one, two, one, two, one, 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 nil. Great, it's like emasculating soccer somehow. Get rid of the team names. Um, but he didn't stop there. He obviously, when it's a bit like when you're making cookies and you you've got your cookie cutter and there's a bit left out of the, and the edges and you, you don't know what to do with it, so you make you know another strange cookie. Um, what did he do with the stuff that he cut out? Well, I think there's probably, I don't know my soccer very well, but I imagine, and John does, I imagine there's prob- that's probably quite a funny in joke in soccer that Falkirk have home win. I'm not sure, but I imagine it would be. Um, okay, Dark and Cinema by Denise Ondeko. Um, something I encourage very much for people um, when they submit work is to submit whatever they can by by whatever means they they have available to them i'm not um you know stuck on 5.1 mixes or um although that's great if people can can produce that kind of work um i'm quite happy for people to send work on cassette whatever's available to them um i met denise at a film festival in um, poland she's was living in um, new york at that time um and she struck me as someone who you know, wasn't scared to express her opinions. Um, so I emailed her and said, look, I'm doing this project. Could you think about darkened cinemas and just respond in some way? And I didn't hear back for ages, and then it was kind of coming up to the, the initial deadline, and so I 
chased her up on it. And she said, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I, I haven't got any means to do this. And I said, Can't, haven't you got a tape recorder? Can't you just, just, I don't know, leave me a message on the phone? So, something, anything would be great. Um, so she produced this um, recording for me, which I, I think is, is really successful. Good morning. How are you? Let's try to do this. I have about <laughs> 20 minutes before I would need to throw this into Federal Express in order to possibly get it to you on time. Okay, so let's just throw out a few things because basically I don't know what the hell darkened cinema is. But let's try this. Okay, darkened cinema would be, could be, is the politically correct acceptance speech for the Best Actor Award at the Academy Awards by Adrian Brody and the standing ovation that he received in contrast to the outroar of protest that Michael Moore's acceptance speech received. Jesus Christ, this is Michael Moore. What did they expect? And this is coming from a Hollywood that purports to be democratic and liberal. Hollywood, fuck you. Darkened Cinema is also blockbuster video, which is the Walmart of America's film renting industry, and also a right-wing Christian corporation. Huh. Anyway, blockbuster films edit films of their choice. No joke. Now, if you live in New York or San Francisco or certain places, you do have options on where to rent movies, but in most of the United States, you don't. It's the Walmart of videos. You either rent from, from Blockbuster or nowhere at all. Um, a, a movie I was very familiar with, Abe Ferreira's Bad Lieutenant, I rented it from Blockbuster once with a friend and four entire scenes were omitted. Now, they largely ignore foreign films, so you are apt to find Man Bites Dog, in the comedy section. So blockbuster, fuck you. Um, let's see, Darkened Cinema is living in a born-again pre-martial law America. That's dark. And then I also went out and I talked to people and said, what that, what's Darkened Cinema to you? And everybody looked like me. They went blank, so I'm one of, one of a crowd. A couple of people thought, as I did too, so it's probably predictably for Darkened Cinema, Darker Cinema, Independent Cinema. But then I thought, well, no, you go into a movie theater, the lights are up, you sit down, and then the few moments before the movie actually begins when the lights go down, signifying that it's going to begin, there is the darkened cinema. And what's on my mind at that moment is that I really hope I don't have to piss because I really hate missing the point of any movie. Okay, Matt, I'm getting dressed now to go to Federal Express. Jesus. Um, I guess to end this, I'll tell you what the, the biggest darkened cinema is, and that would be that I'm in the school of thought that you, the genie is out of the bottle. Yeah, I'm one of those people who sincerely believe it's too late for a lot of things. I will try to live by my creed, better to be futile than passive, but sometimes that's hard. Matt, I really hope you're well. Thanks for um, asking me to attempt this. Sorry it's so fucked up, but I left it to the last minute. Um, anyway, I love you. Hope you're well. Let me know how everything goes. If you can't use any of this, I totally understand. Bye. Yes. <laughs> um, I did um, tell her that I'd be out here in Chicago doing the show, and she kind of thought, wondered about coming along, but I think she's a bit... I mean, you wouldn't...
doesn't sound like someone that would be embarrassed, does it? But um, I think she was a bit shy. Maybe the, the undiscovered Joe Frank in a woman's form. Um, okay, just so, just so you've got an idea of the, the rest of the session, um, after the work called Rose, um, I'm going to open up the floor to some, some questions at that point so we can kind of release the tension a bit. <laughs> As well, and if you need to shout or lie on the floor and scream or whatever, then you can do it at that point. Um, right, the practical theory. This is an extraordinary work, um, which really does speak for itself and um, make its own wonderful nonsense. So I'll just play it. The original idea is actually it's not it's not it's not only a theory it's a practical thing that to imagine some kind of like a mass of clay like a huge mass of clay like tons of clay if you would have tons of clay and then kind of have a possibility to campaign uh, to com- to to how to say, uh, to, to uh, combine a lot of I mean it sounds that I'm drunk but it's not it's it's like a it's a, like a real story <laughs> like a, it's it's kind of odd because now it sounds you know now it sounds drunk but it's a real thing so if you would have a mass of clay let's say there's a kind of a natural disaster which means it's it's kind of a tornado natural history weather phenomenon phenomenon and then you have a huge, huge, huge military airplane which can carry a lot of tanks, like tons of massive weight. And instead of tanks, you just would carry clay. So let's say there's a massive storm, it's kind of a thunderstorm, and you take off with this plane with tons of clay. So you fly over this, and there's a very important thing, you fly over with tons, tons, tons of clay. And then the doors open from this plane and then the clay comes falls down in into the thunderstorm which means like directly above the thunder, thunderstorm it sounds so stupid but i mean you have to imagine honestly you know it's not it's not a joke so you have this huge plane and the thunderstorm is there so you, and then once you above the thunderstorm you open those kind of doors or whatever and then you 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 you, you leave the clay out no you you push it out and then and then what the thunderstorm does is it like in a normal kind of clay process it it it, it spin it spins the clay yeah like 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 tons 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 of clay it spins it like 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 but it's like three kilometers high because you have to imagine it's like three hundred thousand tons of clay or let's say five million thousand tons of clay and then it spins the clay suddenly it, it, it the, the, the thunderstorm per accident because you make this research before goes in it go, goes into the uh, direction of a volcano of a, of a kind of earth volcano so you have all this kind of three kilometer high clay thing which is spinning around above a volcano and just because you research it so well that you know exactly that above a volcano that the thunderstorm stops more or less so the whole clay thing stops as well and immediately when it comes above the 
um, volcano. It stops and falls into the volcano. Yeah? It's like, but it's a mass, massive thing. It's like a, it's like a cork. But 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 to imagine it, how 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 big? It's it's really unimaginable big. So this this thing suddenly stops and falls into the earth, as it would fuck the earth. But it's like. The whole thing, like kilometer high, big, 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 like a whole thing of clay. Yeah, it's the cork of a volcano. This is so it 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 stops. It just stops the volcano, and 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 and, and stops stops it <laughs> properly. And 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 then you ha- you ha- you have this kind of this kind of massive tourist attraction that people would go and would would see the the biggest clay sculpture. Um, Closing the most dangerous volcano would be there, and this would this this is it. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Slightly worryingly, perhaps. Um, even when he's sober, he's like that. And um, he was out in the north of India recently, researching possible ways to actually try and do this. This is what he does. Okay, so a couple of of from the conceptual section. I'm going to skip before and after recording. Um, you can probably imagine what that might be like. It's um, snippets of tape from before and after the recordings that this guy made. So it's uh, interesting work, but um, slightly lengthy actually. Um, so we're going to Les Radio Far by Marcel Dinehe. Um He lives out um, in the area of France called Finisterre, which translates as end of the earth. Um, and jutting out into the Atlantic there, there's um, a radio beacon, which marks the most westerly point of continental Europe, and it's uh, communicating with shipping, saying, hello, I'm here, don't crash into me. Um, and it's you know transmits these waves which aren't for human consumption, um, but he decided that it would be interesting to to record these um, and cut them together and make a kind of little almost musical work from it. Um, and I find this it's quite hard to listen to these signals. Obviously, they're not designed for our ears really, but um, there is something quite melancholy Collie about the the idea of this beacon out there in the the waves and the wind communicating with shipping.
that's me doing the fade. I also thought it'd be quite interesting to um, get subtitles for that. I mean, what's it, what's it saying? Okay, um, the next one, Rose, is a very short work. Um, it's about the closest and in the order we'll pitch show that we get to a kind of snapshot or a still, almost. Um, and I'm not... I don't know this, what the story is behind the scene that you're given, whether it's a kind of ac- accidental field recording or whether it was a, more of a sort of a setup. Um, but you need to be on, on the ball. <laughs> it's lovely. Nicholas sent me a number of, of works for the show which are all about that length which is great um, are there any questions at this point or comments um, thank so you. How, how does this actually flow when you're, when you're doing this in a theatre does it just play with or without introduction or is this normally the I mean, how, what is it like in the room at the time when you're going through these pieces that's a good question um, Essentially, people go to the cinema, um, I give a short introduction, and then the lights go down, and it runs unbroken for up to an hour. Um, And obviously my role as the curator come editor there is to try and keep an interesting flow and and a bit of texture going, Um, you know, to break the radio waves up with some spoken word and so it doesn't become... You know, a headache, um, and it and it the, the the show does you know it mutates as well. It changes according to the venue, and I always try and get works local to the venue, um, new works made um, by people local to the venue, so that there's a kind of premiere situation as well, um, which is quite canny because I think it means people bring their friends along to hear the new work. But it's a great way of you know generating. New work and new opportunities for for presenting the work as well. This is something of an extension of that. What sort of people then are coming to your audible, audible picture shows? Um, well, I've, I've never done a, a kind of proper profile of the audience, but I suspect mainly it's um, people who are not so much um, audiophiles. Really, it tends to be um, cinephiles. Is that the the equivalent <laughs> um you know people that are are into cinema maybe stuff on the fringes of, of cinema um i imagine quite often it'll be filmmakers who uh, in their work are interested in the audio and the music side of, of filmmaking um and there, there probably are some some people involved in radio but i've, I've never consciously been aware of of that does that answer the question yeah yeah it does. Hi, so this follows from her question. So what's the reaction been from people when they do listen to this? I'm curious to hear. Yeah, um, it's what tends to happen is by the second track, maybe two or three people have left. Um, And that's really, you know, that has happened at each um, event. But then that leaves 95% of the people there um, who stay. And And the reaction does vary from show to show but in general people have said that they actually they feel uplifted by the show 
which wasn't something I expected. Um, but I, 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 I wonder if, as you know, as we all understand, we're we're prepared to to listen and get into a kind of bit of a meditative state to to appreciate time and sound. Um, but I think this is, that's quite unusual for for most people to spend fifty minutes an hour just. Um, allowing sound to wash over you um, and obviously in a cinema normally you have the bothersome pictures to contend with um, and, and cinemas are also very comfortable so imagine if you know in this situation we were in much more comfortable chairs and the temperature was a bit better um, <laughs> and the sound system was, was all great then uh, you know that, that would add to the experience and that's what I think people take away from it. The, the surprise of the individual works, but also the general experience of actually spending some time out of their, their busy lives. Yes, hello. Um, how often have you, uh, have you done this show? How long and how long has it been going? Um, it started, the, the very first show was in... Um, March 2002 um, and it was the origin is I cur- curated it for an event called the Lux Open which is organised by a uh, organisation called the Lux in London who's a it's a film and video artist distribution uh, company um, and at this annual event they have uh, I noticed that they didn't have any attention at all on audio work and I knew that lots of filmmakers make audio and don't really know what to to do with it so I said hey why don't I bring together some some works um so that was the first one and it went down really well and I thought well why stop there let's see if we can get some other places interested the next show was at the Cambridge Film Festival in England and since then there's probably been about I don't know maybe up to 10 shows mostly in the UK there was one in um, Holland, there'd be another one in Holland next early next year, um, and it's growing. I mean, this is the furthest it's it's got, <laughs> um, but already through being here, you know, there's a, people have already said, "Hey, come and do it in um, Minnesota or you know wherever." So there's a, it's a growing thing, and that's that's what's great about it is if people have work, they don't they can't get it on the radio, they. They've given it to all their friends, you know. Um, this is a, a place for it to go and for it to get a proper hearing as well. Yeah. Um, mine is a more of a comment, but okay. I was intrigued by the very short piece. Yeah. And I, I heard somewhere that um, somebody did a scientific study that said that the, the length of time that somebody retains... Um, will retain a sound is seven seconds. Really? So I wondered if that was seven seconds. You said um, that that fellow does a lot of those. Yeah, I'm not, it probably is around seven seconds, hmm. actually. Yeah, it, it stayed with me, but whenever, whenever I've heard those kind of short pieces, it does, it, it stays with you. Um, uh, and I did want to ask, too, if, if you're, are you putting these up on the web? Like, when you do your show, I mean, do you ever think of simulcasting or streaming? or? Um, yeah, I'm a bit sort of technologically backward to have got that far at the moment i've got a web there's a web page um and there are samples there um mono 64-bit samples of of all of the works that are kind of in the archive um 
but I am looking at ways to expand the project and obviously having them streaming would be a nice way to do it as well. Um, but it is also about hopefully controlling the environment that people hear the work in, you know, because it is about the, the cinema and um, obviously I could go expand it and it could be in all sorts of venues, but it would maybe then lose the original focus, which is um, would be a shame, I think. Um, obviously, if you're streaming it on the web, you can't really con- you have no control over how the environment that people listen to the work. Um, so I'm asking questions and seeking advice about where you know where to go with the show. Is there any more questions at this point, or shall we move on? Okay, found audio. I'm sure you're all aware what 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 that is. Um, what Are You Doing is the work by Andrew Cotting. Andrew's um, a feature film maker, in, um, pretty successful in UK and Europe. Um, he also works in um, video installation. Uh, I asked him about this, this track, and he said, I was lying down with a PZM mic in a field in the Pyrenees, um, panning up and down a shortwave radio. So that's, and he does claim it's all—it was all one take, and he hasn't done any editing. No, se pasa. Ralph explains. I've got a pain like nobody's business. Like nobody's business. You're looking a bit bleary-eyed. Bleary eyes are eyes that are red and watery, usually because of lack of sleep. I've got a pain like nobody's business. Like nobody's business, usually because of lack of sleep. Um, 
six years ago, I went to a what would a thrift store, I think you call it, um, and there was a bunch of cassettes in a box, and one of them had written on it "testing number one." So of course I had to buy this thing, um, and this was what was on it. Talk away again. Yeah. Say something. <laughs> I don't know. Go away. Go away. Go on, yes. say something. Well, <laughs> Tuesday, 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 the 8th of January. Happy New Year. So. <laughs> yes, well, it's a happy New Year. Well, Especially living here on the coast where we can get fresh fish, it is quite a thing. And, but what's that down for? We can have that. That's it. Because it, it tells you in the book, all those have got to be up, and those two press down simultaneously when you want to record. Well, it made but, it. Do you, you mean this noise that uh, sort of a motor? It rattled, and of course when you took your fingers off, they sprang up again. Now it's been doing it for quite a time because both my wife and I have tried it numerous occasions. Let's do that. Now that's, now that's recording your own voice, okay? Yes. If you want to record the radio, just have it in the same position as it was for radio, which was... Two clues in so far this week. They set them as near as possible to the top of a hill, and this part of Sussex was the centre of the industry from the 13th to the 16th century. Uh, good morning to you on Tuesday call from York. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Why should the single holiday maker have to pay so much extra for a single room for the privilege of sleeping alone? Well, that's it. That's we'll have another go. We'll have another go. <laughs> anyway, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with it now, does there? No. I can, say? No, I, can, I, I could only think, and when we were trying to put it down, they wouldn't stay down those buttons when we were pressing them down and, and the light went on as long as you had the buttons down but when you took the buttons took, took your fingers off the buttons the light went out yeah. and made a funny noise is there a motor crackling noise mm. you ever heard that <laughs> well we'll have another go at any rate okay thank you a, for your thank you for your that's all right now switch on the radio john very well. This is Radio Widewater Court speaking. I want to know the right train to Brighton without changing. Is that at all possible? Yes. If not, it's not, and I want to get to uh, Victoria at midday. Is there a train gets there at midday? No. Do they stay down? Yes. Right. Now, is that right, do you think? Yes. Is the red light on? The red light is on. So we shall wait a minute or two, and then I'll just see if this has gone right this time. Hello. Go on. It's just moving now. We're recording. The red light is on. It indicates 9047 coming up. Hello there. It is now standing. We're going back to 53. I don't know why that is. We should be going forward, I think, should we not? We're going back. We're, we're, we're not going back. 55, we're, we're going, going back. Forward. We are we're going back. forward. All right, we're going forward. Now recording, 57. It will come to us all when technology becomes confusing for us. <laughs> what, what I love is that these, these lovely old folks talking to this machine like it's some kind of alien or something um, because they're directing their comments at the machine obviously when you're in a darkened cinema you are essentially the 
the inside of that cassette recorder. <laughs> um, so you feel like you're being carried around and prodded and tested. And uh, it's lovely. Whenever I feel down, I listen to that. And it gives me renewed faith in human life. <laughs> um, right, cinema references. I'm sorry that I, it seemed to be two of my own works jammed together there, which seems very um, vain, but it wasn't intentional. Um, these are, in fact, the only two works in the show, in the complete archive, that, act, that refer specifically to cinema. Now, I would have thought... Um, that I, you know, people would have sent, had, you know, their work would have referred more often to cinema, um, and curiously, it, it doesn't. Uh, so, in fact, the Missio Hulo's Close Encounters I made, in a way, to as a bit of a counterbalance. And it occurred. To, uh, did, does everyone know the Missio Hulo films? Okay, um, well, there was a, a filmmaker, Jacques Tati, who's a, a genius, um, and he made not many films. And as my grandfather always says, he died penniless, you know. Um, uh, a number of films with this with this character, Monsieur Hulo, and he he does goes on holiday. He's a you know he's a postman. He does various things. But um, there's a very the the soundtracks and the music for the films are always incredibly rich. And he he worked mainly without dialogue, which was um, so it was almost like the bridge between silent cinema and the, the talkies. Um, and there was a particular theme of Monsieur Hulot's um, holidays, which those of you who know the film will go, ah, oh, Monsieur Hulot's holidays, when they hear it. Um, and it occurred to me that this tune was very close, uh, melodically, to the signal that the aliens in Close Encounters of the Third Kind used to communicate with us Earthlings. So I thought, what a nice idea to bring these two things together, because they're worlds apart as, as films. Um, but melodically, there's some some connection. So what you have here is this eccentric, the idea of an eccentric Frenchman um, meeting uh, kind of 70s sci-fi. Thank you. 
In fact, if you've not seen um, the films of Jacques Tati, I'd highly recommend them, certainly from the point of view of um, the audio. Um, it was very unusual what he was doing with, with audio and film at that, at that time. And that's um, T-A-T-I is his surname. Um, Blow Up. Is, is anyone f- familiar with this film, this Antonioni film? Oh, there's a... Was that just an acknowledgement? Yeah. Right. Okay, sorry, there's someone behind you. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so, people that haven't seen it, it's um, a 60s uh, movie. It's considered a, a classic um, look at 60s London. Um, it has this sort of slightly druggy, paranoid edge to it. And it's um, basically as a, a, a photographer um, takes a photograph in a certain park, and when he develops the picture, in his dark room, he notices a, a, a strange form in, in the background of the picture and suspects that this might be a body. Um, so goes through a process of, of investigation, um, which involves blowing up the image bigger and bigger. Um, and the closer he gets into the, the picture, in fact, the less resolution he has. Um, so, you know, the, the, the question there is, you know, is it sort of, all his imagination. What? Where are we? You know, in in the film. Um, and Lucy Reynolds is um, a still photographer and a theorist. And so what what she's done is taken the the sound from the scene in which um, the f- in the film the photograph was taken. It has this very eerie sound of wind in trees, and she's blown that sound up from a VHS copy. So you've got all the attendant sort of electromagnetic noise and extra analog hiss and stuff. Um, so she's making a kind of audio uh, parallel, I suppose, to, the, to what's happening in, in the film.
It's quite an ugly sound, I think. <laughs> but and I think that's because of the, you know, the sort of bad analog stuff going on behind it. Um, musical, the flimsy horse. Um, Daniel spent a lot of time working on this. I'm only going to be able to play an extract, unfortunately. But um, he really wanted to. He's a, a musician, and he really wanted to. Um, just work with um, the sense of uh, composition for cinema and cinema soundtracks. Um, uh, and that's, yeah, well, that's, that says it all, really. He's... he's <laughs> Is there anyone here that works specifically with music in? Yeah. Do you? I mean, just curious. Do you find? You know, you get to get your music heard on radio. I mean, is it is it a different challenge from working with? I'm a music producer. Right. But I love that piece. He's actually. Yeah, I, I could. I could give him a plug. Actually, he's got a couple of um, albums out. He's called the um, the One Ensemble of Daniel Padden. And. Um, yeah, I think you can get it's on textile records. I'd recommend them. Okay, there's a couple more to go, and then we can have a few more questions. Um, Schnick, schnack, schnook is a lovely piece of work. I've 
put this in the musical section, although it's sort of really a combination of all of the above um, sections. Um, but certainly the way that she's made her edit, it it's, uh, has a kind of musical musical structure. Um, Schnick Schnack Schnook is what in the UK we call scissor paper stone, I think you call it rock. So it's that that little game. But somehow she's uh, managed to make it sound quite menacing. And it also includes a helicopter. There's so many of them.
Zoe Urban, who um, made this work, is a, a professional audio artist. She's doing very well, um, getting lots of commissions in, in galleries and stuff. Um, I'm trying to persuade Julie to maybe bring her out here for next year. I think she'd be a really good person to have, have around. She kind of crosses lots of disciplines. Um, and a bit of gossip. She is also the partner of Mr. Clay. So you can imagine an interesting combination there. Um, okay, the penultimate work is um, a song that you'll be very fam familiar with. And um, this was recorded by a uh, documentary, a video documentary maker. I can't sing the song. Shh. Shut up, of course you can, okay? One, two, three. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose bright stripes and bright stars through the perilous night or whereabouts we marched were so Rockets Ray Blair, the ramparts, and the words are hard. And yeah, so it sucks. Let's write a new one. It sucks as an anthem. It sucks as an anthem. How long it'll just play on? It's also a drinking song. Well, it's near election day, you know. I thought it would uh, <laughs> be a bit spicy. Um, okay, well, that's almost us. I'm as after the. If there's any questions, I shall play Joost van Veen's um, outro, which is um, based around a recording of a Wurlitzer organ, which um, sadly no longer in our, many of our cinemas, most of our cinemas, um, but is a very classic cinema sound. But are there any final questions? Or? Um, it's been exciting to like learn about different listening sessions, and the Third Coast has put on ones that are very literal um and i've gone to some or i've gone to a couple in toronto that are a lot more experimental with the voice being used as an instrument but they're also more feature oriented so can you talk about your curatorial style because um what you've shared today is really eclectic mm. and some of them are very cinematic like i feel like i'm in a scene but some of them are just literally just found so can you talk about how you're picking what what goes together and like what audience you're trying to build and if you're kind of trying to reach out to an audio crowd at all? Um, yeah, I mean, I think eclectic is probably the word that describes it and describes most of what I do in my life, actually. Um, and in that sense, I mean, I give absolute freedom to the makers to, to 
you know, determine what their, their work is. Um, when I ask people, like I'm asking you guys now, um, if you'd like to submit work, the only requirements are I, I ask people to try and keep to five minutes um, and, and think about the context that the work will be presented in. Um, so the, the, the fact that it's so eclectic and diverse is, is because of the nature of the makers that are diverse and eclectic. Um, and all I'm, what, what I try and do is represent that diversity um, and kind of steer the programming thematically, if possible, depending on where, where the, you know, the show's being held. Um, for example, we had this at a public show at the Gene Siskel on Wednesday, and I picked out you know, the ones that I thought were going to be interesting for a, an audience in the US. So I, there were, obviously there was the drinking song, there was Denise, Denise's work, and there were other works in there that maybe I wouldn't um, present if the show was in Spain or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the question about audience. I mean, I don't... I, I, I'm not aiming for a particular audience. I, I, I'm interested to see who comes along, and I didn't ex necessarily expect people to come along to the first one, but it, it got a good turnout and has always had a good turnout since then, so there obviously is an audience for, for work like this um, in its diversity. Um, but I don't really know who they are yet. <laughs> but I'm finding out. And it's a great joy for me because it's, it's you know, I'm a, a filmmaker and animator um, in my day job, as it were. And this was a, just a notion I had, and it's obviously um, striking a chord, and that's very exciting for me. And I've always been a big fan of audio and music, so it's uh, really nice to be able to share that enthusiasm and present these works, like testing number one. I mean, I've had that lying around for years and it's fine listening on your own but it's lovely to be able to play it to other people so it's a very rambling answer but was it okay are there certain things uh, are you finding any repetition in your submissions yet yes helicopters other, oh yeah <laughs> other than that um yeah helicopters a bird song sort of nature theme um I, I mean, is anyone, why, why do you think there are so many helicopters? I can only think there's Apocalypse Now might have had an influence. It seems really strange, but it's true. There's about five works with helicopters, and I'm responsible for one of them. So, um, What other themes? Um, actually, no, those, those are the, the two things that are recurrent, actually, the, the helicopters and the, the kind of nature recording and and there's quite a lot of work with uh, tapes being whizzed backwards and forwards and that kind of clutter of audio on cassettes and that, that stuff but that's all good stuff okay no more questions well thank you very much indeed for coming along and I really welcome um work. I'm afraid at this point there's no money involved at any level of this project. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the very, uh, since I've been here, a few people have come and said, where can I buy this stuff? So it makes me think there's, um, there's potential 
here to, to get a CD out or something. So I'm looking into that whole route and publication. Um, so there's the promise there, possibly, of having a work out on a compilation within the Audible Picture Show label. Um, so we'll finish with Yost's outro and my thanks to you all for coming along. Thank you.